G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number five of the Outback Mind podcast. much for joining me uh really really honored to have uh, a beautiful gentleman uh on with us this afternoon or today uh by the name of robert walter robert walter is a, a man from horsham in country victoria and i wanted to get robert on this nice and early so people can hear a real life experience or a real life story of someone that's uh, managed uh, depression and anxiety primarily and how he was diagnosed with that earlier on and sort of went down the, the pharmaceutical route for quite a while and so it didn't, didn't help him a lot and he's got a, a really good story to tell on how he's actually uh, being able to to manage it independently but also to be able to um, you know realize it for what it was and then you know sort of take it um, within himself or upon himself to be able to find a find alternative ways to be able to uh, you know, look after his mental health better and, and come out of it the other side. And, you know, Robert is uh, such an inspirational guy that's very, very self-aware and conscious. Uh, and, you know, he has a, a really, really, um, you know, profound effect on everyone that he meets because he's so calm. And, uh, uh, you know, in his 70s now, he's got uh, um, some some really good stories to tell to tell on uh, on how we can actually manage our mental health better and can really resonate with people from all ages out there. So, really encourage you to uh, sit back and listen to Robert and uh, and enjoy his uh, his story and conversation. Are you there, mate? Yes. How you going? Aaron. How you going, mate? Yeah, great. Thanks. That's the way. Really, really good to have you on and. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I was really keen to get you on here uh, early on. We've had some some higher profile people, I suppose, and uh, you know, I, I guess this podcast is going to be all about a blend of the two people that have got um, you know experience in in certain areas, but also people like yourself that have got lived experience from rural communities throughout Australia that can actually um, you know help others through your own journeys. And um, you know, I know you quite well, and I know what you've. Uh, overcome and been through and I know what you're doing now and it's such an inspiration uh, to me and also to many others out there so you know, I'm really keen to uh, get you to share sort of you know your upbringing and sort of where you went uh, with uh, with your life and sort of where it took you and how you sort of came out of that uh, I suppose that uh, real problematic uh, part of your life um, if you wouldn't mind just starting from the beginning I think you were brought up in Adelaide is that right? No, uh, no, no, Horsham. Horsham. So it was Horsham originally. And then you, I think you went to Adelaide for for study. No, I was born in Melbourne. Right. But brought up in Horsham. Okay, good. Let let us go, mate. You you tell us how it all uh, turned out for you. Okay, thanks, Aaron. Um, well, you've had some high celebrity uh, speakers on, <laughs> so uh, he is from a from a low. Celebrity. It doesn't no, matter, mate. We're all the same. We all got heartbeats, and uh, no. it doesn't matter what we've done. It's uh, it's all an equal uh, equal platform here. That's what I want to try and do. So, okay. So, I guess my education really started when I turned fifty. 
and it, it came as an absolute shock for me. And I was, um, uh, my sleep was getting shorter and shorter. And uh, to the extent that I uh, could no longer fall asleep, I thought, well, go and see my GP. And he said, oh, that's not possible. And I had some sleeping pills and worked for the first night. And uh, didn't work the second night, so back I went. And um, uh, sort of diagnosed me and said, look, you've got depression. And I thought, bullshit, I'm not depressed, I just can't sleep. And uh, he, um, uh, he um, prescribed uh, antidepressants and he said, look, it'll take a couple of weeks, I'll kick in and you'll be right. But it didn't happen. Mm. And... Um, Within a, uh, a couple of weeks, uh, I was in um, a Melbourne clinic in, uh, in Melbourne and uh, had a brief meeting with a psychiatrist and uh, next thing I'm drugged to the eyeballs and I, uh, I just didn't know what day it was. Mm. And after three weeks, he thought, uh, look, you're okay, you go home. And uh, it was a shock to me again. I thought, well, I didn't feel any better. And I'm being sent home, yeah, you can go back to work. And, uh, and so I went back to this, you know, sort of nightmare uh, existence, um, taking a small as of drugs, I still couldn't sleep, mm. and trying to exist. So this went on for about uh, uh, roughly six to nine months. And in the end, uh, my family were so, so concerned with my... Um, uh, with me, I was readmitted to the, um, the Northern Clinic, mm. and I was there, you know, for a uh, for quite a, a long time. And again, on the you know, it was Northern Clinic back then. This is in nineteen ninety six. Um, the best aspect that I thought about it was their um, um, they had a sort of art and craft uh, mm. OT section and we could make things and once a week we'd go on a picnic I thought that was okay, okay. and each week I'd see the psychiatrist and they'd either up the drug or swap the drug or go on to something else it was no I felt just going nowhere mm. and in the end I decided uh, I need another opinion there was this old psychiatrist wandering around the place and so I want to go and see him and uh and he, yeah, he sat down and I uh, had my case, of course. And he said, uh, well, to be honest with you, I've only got two things. Largactyl, a drug that emptied the asylums. Mm. Uh, that's a, uh, a major tranquilizer. And we've got ECT. I mm. thought, shit. And he said, oh, look, I remember, look, I'll uh, recommend that you might uh, consider this ECT. Well, I uh, heard... I'd seen the film one pull out of the cuckoo's nest and uh, ECT, that's a electric shock treatment. Mm. So I decided, well, I'm not going anywhere. And I sort of um, relaxed, sort of accepted where I was. I'll give it a try. Okay. And I can recall the time, you know, quite vividly and the preparation for it. And then when I woke up, all I want to do is go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I went back to bed and I slept the rest of the day. Mm. And I rang my wife at night and I you know, told her the experience. 
He said, you sound like your old self. What's happened? <laughs> I don't know. It, it seems like the colour has come back into my life. You know, from a black and white existence, now everything's gone back to colour. Mm. The next day I felt, you know, so good that uh, there's another guy there and uh, we jumped on the train, went down to Luna Park and went down on all the rides having a great old time. And I always recall this the same sort of scene in one clue out of the cookies nest. Mm. And all the guys went out in the boat and had a great time. Then mm. they came back and uh, uh accordingly. But anyway, so I, uh, I I was discharged, came home, and physically I was you know, pretty weak. And uh, and I started to try and figure out you know, what what happened. But one of the things I resolved to do, which I hadn't mentioned it earlier, that what led to my um, you know, stress levels going through the roof uh, was that I'd, I'd spent two years in the army mm. and I injured a hip and you come quite arthritic and uh, that had spread to my other hip and, uh, and I was on, um, you know, taking uh, anti-inflammatories uh, you know, and... Uh, I was taking quite large doses of painkillers and, um, you know, just to cope. Of course, it's all added up to, uh, you know, my body just in the end said, right, enough's enough, I'm shutting down. And that was the, uh, uh, what happened. So I'm out the other side and I thought, first thing I'm going to do is um, I'm going to get my head replaced. Hmm. And, uh, well, that all, the next... Um, year, it was in 1997, and that's what happened. I had, uh, over a six-month period, a double hip replacement, mm. and I was very fortunate to, um, another story in itself, how that panned out, but it was like an absolute miracle. I was out without pain for the first time in about 20 to 25 years. Mm. Just absolutely miraculous. And then, what puzzled me is what happened uh, with the ECT. You have a course of ECT, um, three one week and three the next. But I just had the, this one, and bingo, I'm, I'm back. Mm. What happened? The other five uh, had little uh, little effect. I came back and I questioned this. You know, what happened? So I came back to the psychiatrist and I tell me, look, what happened? One day on the I'm in this black and white prison. Next day, I'm in a world full of colour. What mm. happened? Mm. Oh, we don't really know. It was the most honest answer I got. And that absolutely puzzled me. So I thought, well, I'm not getting answers here. And I made appointments with two other psychiatrists. I thought, well, they might know what happened. And they were no help either. Mm. Well, there's something going on that... There's something more going on. So I became, you know, very inquisitive just to find out, you know, what had happened. And uh, I can remember quite well going to, you know, to Tullamarine Airport, you know, sending somebody off and then uh, going to the bookshop and just going along with self-help books and taking them down, taking them down, taking them down. So I came across a, a book by uh, Dorothy Rowe. Dorothy Rowe is an expat Australian. Mm. And uh, she'd gone to England and uh, studied uh, uh, depression and uh, 
she went to the Sheffield uh, Asylum as her first uh, appointment. And she, the psychiatrist was, you know, strutting around like God, saying they control the whole thing. Then there were the clinic, then the uh, statistical psychologists, and they were doing all those statistics. And he said, I didn't have much to do. So I uh, used to go and talk to the patients. And they told me a completely different story to what the psychiatrist was saying and what this psychologist was saying. Mm. And that started her on the career. So his books became very, very helpful. Mm. And, and so I was casting around for more and more stuff. And I got very, very interested in, uh, in science, particularly quantum physics. Now, I'm not a physicist, but for some reason I got really interested in this. And... Um, at the same time, I heard about uh, an ex-military guy called Sandy McGregor. Sandy is well into his 80s now. Um, and he, he um, through his own experiences of uh, Vietnam and uh, uh, tragedy within his family, mm. uh, brought him to studying uh, the mind and what he could do. And so... I gave him a call and uh, did one of his courses. And what he actually you know, taught was um, uh, the power of the subconscious mind. Mm. And of course, you have to relax first to access the subconscious mind. So that started me uh, going, and I did a number of courses with, with him. And at the same time, mindfulness was, was coming into vogue. And um, I did a couple of courses there, and um, and so I guess really I to get across is that you know, to become curious and inquisitive is a great thing. Mm. You start exploring mm. all the options, mm. and uh, so what would have happened started, if you uh, if you had take, not taken that advice and that option? What what would have happened? Do you think? I taken the advice, sorry, from if you had have went the other way and not uh, and not uh, got that ECT treatment at the time, you went the other way. What would have happened? Do you think? Um, I've no idea. Mm. But, but the the fact is that I did, yeah. and I went against it. You know, it was uh, I thought you know it's a scary thing. You, you know, they're going to put you out to it. They're going to run these electrical current through your head. Mm. They're going to induce a seizure. You know, that's all. Sounds like scary stuff, mm. but I can tell you it was quite benign. It was, uh, you know, it was relaxed, uh, and you just go to sleep and you wake up. Mm. And uh, for me, it was sort of miraculous. And I'm not recommending this. You know, do this. this was, you know, I was um, in a pretty bad state mm. by this stage. You know, the the other the other alternative was that I might have got. As you say, if I hadn't done that, was to stay on the drugs. Mm. Now the drugs can have a you know a calming effect, but you're in this um, uh, sort of um, uh, foggy world. You can't think straight. Mm. Um, and you know, one of the you know, when I, I was on you know the drugs for quite a long time, but I um, worked out down the track that. Somehow, some way, I've got to get off. And what I found was using Sandy McCraig's meditation 
you have to put the word meditation techniques that I could replace the drugs with the meditation. Mm. All the drugs were doing was sort of you know, calming me down artificially. And alcohol does the same thing. Mm. Uh, any of the other drugs would do the same thing. They're only coping mechanisms, whether the drugs are legal or illegal. Mm. But the meditation is a natural sort of thing. And it, what it enables you to do is take control of your monkey mind. Mm. And uh, you know what it's like sometimes you've had a bad day and you're off get, get into bed and you can't shut your mind down. Mm. You know, you keep playing over the things that happen during the day. So now what I learned was the... Um, uh, and it didn't happen rapidly. I had to kind of practice this, and it was one step. I'd take two steps forward and one step back, and two steps forward and one step back. So I've been doing this now for, um, you know, consistently for mm, you know, 15, at least 15 years, because I know it is just so important for me to do this each day. So that was about um, 2005 when you started meditation? Roughly, Sorry? it was around 2005 when you started meditation. So it was like about nine years after you sort of had that initial uh, initial problem and diagnosis. So you would have been like 59 then, is that right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's um, that's the, just on that, Rob. That that's tremendous because you know that that's showing showing that someone that's that's come through a you know a traditional background i suppose back then of military and then real estate and everything that you've done to be able to sort of contemplate meditation was a pretty big effort at, uh, at the age of 59. um well even the compound that i set up a new business at the same time mm -hmm. so um it, it was it worked i knew it worked all i had to do was do it yeah. And, uh, you know, to get, get that habit going. And, um, uh, but I have to, have to work at it. As I said, you know, sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Mm. Uh, but just, you know, keep doing it, no matter, no matter what. Mm. Um, so so you, uh, you have a, so this is 15 years, so you've had a meditation practice which has really been beneficial in managing your mental health uh, you know, ever ever since you, you started. So so what's that look like for you? You you do a practice every day or twice a day? I do a practice every day. Yeah. Um, I still um, pick up a lot of information off the internet. Mm. Um, I've done a, um, a Buddhist uh, course. Did uh, not harm from you know, the Vietnamese. Yes. Um, um, a course with uh, him, him leading that. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done other courses on the internet. I attend a Christian meditation group twice a week. Mm -hmm. I do that every time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're doing the meditation with the Buddhists, with the Christians. When you enter the silence, everything melts away. So, so yeah, so so what you what you're saying, Rob, is you you're basically uh, giving the the mind space to settle, and it's good to do that in a group, um, uh, and and get back to the center, which is the heart center, I guess. But are you also doing your own practice at home as well? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, 
Yes. Yeah, and what's that look like? What's, first, it, what's it look like? First thing in the morning. Yeah. And I remember in my uh, you know, sort of studies of many years ago, I uh, followed an American psychologist called Abraham Maslow. Mm -hmm. Abraham Maslow is, you know, is quoted in a lot of you know different circles. And the, the one thing I remember, he said, "You have to overcome fear every day." Mm. The human default is to go back to fear. Mm. That's what keeps us physically safe. Mm. But when you wake up in the morning and you're anxious, you have to bring that into con back into control. Yeah, that's and right. start the day. So you start the day with the meditation. You bring your back self back into that relaxed state. Mm -hmm. Because if you stay in that fearful, anxious state, effectively, you're only using that 10% of your mental capacity. Mm. If you can be relaxed, you open up that access to the subconscious mind and that increases and you go off to work with, you know, 50%. And if you've got 50%, you're ahead in shoppers. You know, you're going to cruise through the day. Mm. The problems that arise are not going to phase you. Yes. Instead of being thrown by problems, the solutions come. It's uncanny, mm. but it just works. So yeah. try and begin every day. And remember that. When yeah. it overcome fear, our default is into that anxious state. Mm. Now, what does generally our society do about that? Well, we have a couple of beers. And I can tell you, a couple of beers negates the whole thing. It just shuts us down. Mm. You don't actually go anywhere. You're like a squirrel in a squirrel cage, or you're spinning your wheels in mud. If you look at it wrong, though, in the morning, though, you have a choice to sit and, and clear the mind, or you have a choice to keep stimulated by watching the TV or listening to the radio or... Uh, um, you know, eating something which keeps your mood, um, you know, suppressed. But basically, that that is what's that's what's happening with a lot of Australians out there. We are staying in that fear mode because we are watching TV all in the morning, which is increasing that fear. But also, um, you know, the the media around us. We're getting in a car. We're going to a busy environment. But if you if you can just sit and, and, and help, help the mind settle or allow the mind settle by, by doing a dedicated med meditation practice over a day, a week, a month, a year, your whole nervous system can be retrained. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Remember, the media is trying to trigger you. If you study the advertising industry, it's all about triggering you. If, I can, if they can trigger you, they got gotcha. you. Mm. They'll sell you all sorts of stuff that you don't need. Mm. Or it's uncanny. So it, it, by uh, entering, by getting a meditation practice going, particularly you know, start off the day with it, end the day with it, looking opens up a completely new reality mm. that most people have never experienced. Mm. Yes. You know, life becomes a joy, not a struggle. Mm. That's right. Even though you're doing the same thing. So you're looking at the same thing, doing the same thing, it's no longer the struggle. Yeah. What, what I was going to say, what, what, what really alerted me to this more was, you know, seeing older people and so forth and seeing my mother, um, you know, at the end of her life, like just coming back to that sense of peace. But 
I realised then that I want I wanted to be able to come back to that sense of peace every day without having to wait so like I battled my whole life and got to the end of it, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and I guess that's what's happening when when people are in fear. You are sort of, you know, struggling day by day, and you know you're surviving, not just thriving. But I think meditation primarily can help you thrive, and it can help you overcome the mind going to the past or the future consistently. And if you are put in fear, it's going to do that. The other thing is, if you feel anxious and fearful, it has a a, a terrible effect on your body physically. You're pouring in the adrenaline, the cortisol, your blood's thickening, your heart rate's going up. Mm. Look, a lot of the physical diseases that you, you know, rush off to the GP to get some pills for, you can avoid that. Mm. It's, um, it, it, it sounds like a, a universal panacea, too good to be true. Mm. But at the same time, it's not easy. You've got to work at it. Mm. You've got to work at it. Mm. So probably we, the buzzword. Sorry. Okay. Go. The buzzword today is you know, self-regulation, and uh, you know, become self-regulating. That you know the mind is a a, a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. Mm, that's if right. Your emotions and feelings are jerking you all over the place. It's a terrible life. So you get control. You become the Self-regulating. Um, yeah, master. And a lot of... Yeah. Tell me, uh, what what does your meditation practice look like? like how long are you doing it and, and what, what sort of uh, process are you going through? Um, when I, the, the first meditation of the day, uh, I do a visualisation. That suits me. That helps me. Mm-hmm. Is it... When I wake up in the morning, I can feel that anxiety. Mm. So I've got to wind that back. Mm. And for me, the visualisation, you know, I just visualise that I'm walking out through the mountains. Mm-hmm. I visualise all the paths. And I you know, go from place to place. And then I come back to my peaceful place. And uh, I just run through the colours of the rainbow. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when I've done all that, um, nine times out of the ten, I'm in that peaceful state. I'm ready to start the day. Mm. And, that and that's can, what I find. So I was going to say, that, that can take maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an 20, hour, depending on how At least 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes. 20 yep. minutes. Yep, okay, good. It's a good investment. And then later in the day, uh, I've got a timer on my phone, 20 minutes. And, and I use a mantra. Mm-hmm. And I just repeat the mantra. Would you mind sharing that with us? Well, it's the Christian mantra. Yeah. Maranatha. Yep, Maranatha. Maranatha. Yes. Maranatha. Four syllables. What does that mean? Maranatha. It's a Sanskrit word. Yeah. It doesn't have to mean anything. Mm -hmm. You just just repeat it. It's probably better not to have it mean anything. It's just what you're doing is you... By concentrating on just on the word, just on the word, concentrate on the word. Your thinking, your thoughts stop. Mm-hmm. You're not maybe not conscious of this, but the thoughts will come back in again. Oh, hang on, I'm not, you know, going to buy an ice cream after this. No, I'm not back to the mantra. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and just repeat that. So I do that you know, during the day. Mm-hmm. Or when I go off into the uh, uh, the groups, and it's and it's much easier. I've always found it much easier meditating in a group mm. than on than on my own. Energetics, um, really, Rob. What what you're saying is this has been known for thousands of years. It's called jup, and it's mean means repeat. So when you repeat, yeah. you repeat, repeat, repeat consistently. The mind settles; it becomes content. Yeah. And when the mind's content, then the breath gets into a nice rhythm, a nice flow. Then the body can actually get into a, a healing state. And yes. you can start to really drop into that and sink into that. That takes you away from the mind and back to your to your soul, your center again. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, this is the power that we all have within us. We just need to be able to yeah. dedicate uh, time and effort and a bit of practice to be able to, yeah. to come home again. And that's what you're doing essentially yeah. through this mantra is you're actually coming home back to yourself. Yeah. But there, there, there are other, there are breathing. Um, you know, the Buddhist... Uh, yeah. More emphasis on on the breath. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, there are other techniques, but you know, keep it simple. Mm. And um, probably you know, a bit of a joke. Meditation is not what you think. Mm. Meditation is not what you think. Mm. No, no, so I agree. It's, but... it's, it's, not a thinking, isn't it? Yeah. It's not what you think, absolutely, 100%. But see, I guess uh, in Western society, you know, you're older than I am and, and it was very taboo to be able to even consider this sort of stuff because I think the whole agenda through the economy, through the education system was to put us into fear uh, and then into shame and then into guilt through not getting grades and all that sort of stuff. And, and a lot of people uh, still walk around in that state primarily and... Um, you know, I ran a men's circle last night and there was quite a few guys there that um, that are really in that state and they're managing with a lot of alcohol, you know, and I sort of helped them understand that really what's triggering the drinking response is, is the fear, uh, you know, and that's making them feel shameful after they, they, they do it and then they feel guilty for doing it, you know. So they're getting, they're getting in these low levels of consciousness very, very consistently the only way they're coming out is by buying something or consuming something, which is giving them temporary yeah. pleasure. And that's going yeah. around and around in circles, yeah. Yeah. The alcohol is it's just a coping. It's just a coping. The only problem with it is it's temporary and um, <laughs> a lot of you know, physical problems go with uh, consuming yeah, it's very hard uh, on the body. It, very hard on the body. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's enjoyable, but it's very hard on the body. Your liver and kidneys have got to, to do a, a really tremendous job to be able to, to move it on, you know. So, mm. It's, mm. Um, yeah, mm. yeah. I understand. Uh, that's that's really nice to hear. And, and you know, we have, we have the power to... I know if I feel at the end of the day quite anxious and that if I just go and sit and breathe then everything comes back to balance again. You know, you just that, yeah. that, that, that feeling of safety comes back when you've been in an agitated environment or there's people around you that are that are stressed, anxious and so forth, which is the norm, you know, it primarily is yes. the norm now. The, the, being the quiet and being the still and being the, 
the one that's got the ability to, to stay calm is, is, is rare. It's one in a hundred, you know, people would be out there that's actually to be able to be in that uh, in that position. But I think we've all got the power to do it. We've just got to learn how to to reprogram and retrain ourselves. And, and you're a prime example of, um, of someone that can do that, you know, uh, with what you've been through. If you had have taken that doctor's advice and, you know, maybe took the, the other, other direction, then you would not be having the conversation with me now, you know, I would have thought. But um, there's just a great opportunity for, for people to be able to take control again by doing things that help the mind settle and, and, set and calm the nervous system down again, um, you know, that's, that's within, within us all to be able to do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you've um, you, you've uh, you've been able to inspire a lot of people in that in that town also as well, but also people of, of, of your own age. Like you're seventy four now, is that right? Seventy five. Seventy five. Okay. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. Another birthday. And and you're looking physically well. Your body's still working really well. Um, you know, you're, you're very, very healthy for your age, and, and a lot of that would be contributed to, to meditation, I would have thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The effects are, are quite extraordinary. You often can't see it within yourself, mm. but a number of times people say, hey, you're looking well. Mm. Hmm, am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, you, so you, it, you, it, it, yeah. It, Go ahead. I, you know, I can't, sorry, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, yeah, it's so. Um, look, I always say to people, what makes you feel calm? You know, what is it? What is it that you do that makes you feel calm? The traditional thing for guys, are having a few beers, but you know, what about when you go fishing, or what about when you you do something and you feel, you know, feel really relaxed, and and that's that might be telling their wife that they, that they love them, you know that makes them feel calm. So what that is actually activating is compassion and, and vulnerability, um, you know, and joy. And that they are the higher levels of consciousness. But when we're in the yeah. lower levels of consciousness of fear and shame and guilt, then we're, we're basically, you know, turning really against ourselves and our, our, our uh, true na- uh, nature and our way of being. So, you know, be, being able to do things where you are kind to yourself but also kind to others, I think really activates a higher level of, of compassion within yourself and consciousness yes. within yourself. And uh, by doing your meditation every day, you're actually doing these things which are being, you know, just that uh, rather than sort yes. of you know, being in that fear mode and, and turning the TV on is just going to amplify that fear state. And you're, you're a prime example of someone that wakes up feeling anxious because I reckon that happens to most of us, you know, and we want to try and feel better by getting out of our mind by turning something on or doing something or looking at something. But all the answers come when you actually like be still and reassure yourself that you're okay, everything's okay, and then you can actually move it, through that, yeah. Look, it, it works extraordinarily well. I mean, I've been in business long enough to, you know, wake up in the morning, Oh, I haven't got things to do. I haven't got time for mm. breakfast. I've got to get out the door. I've got to get this out now. I've been going. Yeah. And it, it is absolutely counterproductive. Mm. I think you're rushing around doing lots of things, achieving not very much at all. Yeah. But to start that day, I overcome that anxiousness through the meditation and then move into the day in a relaxed 
say, and I can tell you, the, the problems will arise, but the solutions come. Yes. It's just uncanny. Yeah. I wish I'd cracked onto that when I was young. Same, and see, Rob, what that what that was for me is like, I I, I learned that through through pushing my body, like those sorts that come which you get trapped in, uh, but once you actually your your awareness starts to um, to to you know heighten, then you say, well, I don't need to really think about that or get involved with that. I can just move that on, you know. Um, whereas exactly. Then, previously, you would get, get, get stuck in emotion, yeah. The, the problem with you know trying to overthink things, that's worry, and mm. worry serves no useful purpose. Mm, that's right. It's just, you just you're spinning your wheels, putting a lot of energy in, wearing your body out, wearing your body brain out, doing nothing. Mm, that's right. I was stuck uh, there for a long time. You know, always worrying about. I always had to be worrying about something. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's the way I was brought up, and it might have been part of our genetics. Uh, oh, but, look, uh, yeah. this is the way we're all brought up. We, um, you know, it's one of the problems of the, the, the Western world. It's one of the problems at the moment. Mm. And uh, I can tell you, Aaron, you're on the right path, and all power to you, <laughs> and uh, wish you every success yeah, in what you're doing up here. Yeah, good mate. I, I just I think it's important for people uh, in regional Australia to be able to hear stories like yours, where you have like overcome something which was you know very very detrimental. It was like getting a cancer or like getting something that uh, you know, could have been very life threatening in many ways. But you know you actually took your power back, and I think that's uh, that's that's beautiful because you said no to something that, that could have really consumed you and you actually took your power back. So you were in real estate and that's really uh, what, what, what sort of triggered everything for you, the stress and all that. Is that right at the time when you were, you were 50? Well, I did it for over 40 years. Yep. And, uh, and so, you know, it's a bit like, how do you boil a frog? You put him into cold water and slowly increase the temperature. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. So you and I was good. just that frog, you know, it was just, you know, ramping up, ramping up, you know, financially and all that sort of thing. Right, you know, yeah. did, did very well. That was real but estate. The cost, yeah. the cost on my, my well-being mm. uh, was, was just too high. I see it everywhere, high. mate, I see it everywhere, you know, with young guys and People are just so driven by the dollar, but at the same time, they're sacrificing their most valuable asset, which is their their own health and well-being. You know. Yeah. And then dealing, trying to deal with it when uh, when the body says, "Well, hang on, we're going to uh, we're going to give you something here to remind you that uh, you're not looking after us," and um, uh, you know that usually comes in in disease of, of some significant way and particularly mentally, uh, you know, as it's happening yeah. with depression and anxiety. So by settling the mind, you're actually like a, alleviating, sorry, alleviating the, the risk of that, but also the body gets uh, back into harmony again. And if you've got that consistently out of whack, then it's inevitable that something will happen. Yeah. 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 We, we'll always try and, um, you know, stay, stay with the stories of uh, grandma or grandpa that lived to lower 90 and they smoked and drank. But, um, you know, life was different then and um, things are much different now. What we're consuming is, is totally different. Uh, you know, the, the lifestyle we're in is totally different. So it's really 
upon ourselves to manage our nervous system so we don't get sort of caught up in the in the soup? Well, absolutely. Look, uh, burnout, burnout is now recognised by the World Health Organisation, mm. and it's co- and it is caused by chronic workplace stress. Mm, I've been there. Yeah, I know. I understand. And I was just reading the other day where in the construction industry, um, a construction a young construction worker has six more six times the likelihood to die from suicide than a workplace accident. Mm-hmm. It's staggering. And they're driven yeah. by the dollar, Rob. That's the thing. Like, you know, getting, getting out there, earning the big money, buying the stuff. Yep. But that happiness is only very temporary, you know. It's not, not long yep. term. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 So, what you're, you know, teaching people, there's another way of dealing with that chronic workplace stress. Because mm. if you don't do anything about it, as you said, um, burnout, uh, all manner of physical diseases, you know, whether it's uh, diabetes, cancer, mm. they're all triggered in this way. You know? mm. And it's funny that a lot of them haven't had cures yet. But well, the money the, the money is in the in the treatment. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can do this to yourself for nothing. Yeah, that's right. And you have yeah. the pa- you have the power to do that. The power is within you. All you have to do is tap into it. Mm, that's right. You got to do some work. Yeah. You got to do some work. You got to take responsibility. You become self-regulating. Mm. You're in control. Absolutely, mate. It's like a, a plant. If you if you nourish it and water it, it'll come back to life. And the individual will come back to life if you nourish it and water it and do it, do the right things. So it can it can start to activate again rather than be deactivated. And I think we are and deactivated it, in many ways. Yeah. And it's never too late. It's never too late. I've got a good friend who's eighty five, and he keeps saying. Meditation is the greatest thing that he's discovered in his life. <laughs> but I can't get it across to my, my peers. He's 85. Yeah. So you're never too late to start. That's right, uh, mate. And, and, and that's the thing, like being able to embody yourself without you know, pushing it on others. Uh, just, you know, people will see within yourself what something that they want within themselves and then they'll be hopefully become curious enough to be able to look at a practice and, and with what you do with your meditation that doesn't that may not work for everyone it's about finding what it is that works for you um, oh exactly yeah. you, you work it out for yourself find find what works for yourself yeah I, my, mm-hmm. my, my teacher gave me a thousand day practice and I'm really getting towards the end of that now but I've really over a thousand days being able to, to, to master it I guess because it's given me all this uh, awareness to be able to understand the nervous system, understand when the mind's running or when it's at speed, um, to be able to peg that back by using both sides of the body to uh, to balance both hemispheres through this meditation that I do. And, you know, that, that, that works for me. But I know when I'm finished a thousand days, which is soon, I'll be able to, you know, um, really... Uh, I suppose, encompass what I've learned to be able to take it into something else. And then it's all about coming home again. It doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as you're feeling that sense of peacefulness within yourself, that's really what it's all about. And, and when you, you know, if you're practicing a meditation on your own, uh, 
sneak off to a quiet place. Mm. It's quite often you know, our families don't understand what we're doing. Mm. You know, people close by, our friends. Yeah. Oh, it's off with, off with the birds. So you go off in the quiet place, you know, go to the bedroom, close the door, lock the door. So that you can't be disturbed for 20 minutes. So you, you know you're not going to be disturbed. That's right. And uh, it's interesting, uh, Mark Bunn was on the podcast previous to you. He was an AFL player, but he used to go into the toilet at uh, half time. <laughs> yep. And sit there just to settle yep. his mind down. And that would help his performance when he when he went back, uh, back out. Yep. And, uh, you know, we talked about... Um, how that sort of affected Richmond and, you know, obviously Craig was, uh, I think, involved with uh, some of that program early on and uh, certainly, um, yeah, look, you know, I've seen it in athletes and, and kids and, and, and professionals and a lot of people that I've worked with. If I just give them the space to be able to settle and they come out of a different person altogether. So if you're an athlete, you know, you can come out a different person. If you want to go out and, and look at things differently, uh, if you're a, you know, a kid doing exams, you can look at things totally differently. If you get out of the mind, um, you know, if you're a professional, you can increase the performance of your team so much more. If you, you know, give, give them, you know, space and time to settle and really, you know, it's not rocket science, it's just about being able to, uh, to find time and make time to do it. It's all relative. Uh, I, I just see myself as, a, as an ordinary person. Mm. And by doing this, how I can influence my own family, how I can work just in my own little circle. Mm. Uh, I'm not an AFL player, I'm not a great sportsman, everything like that. Yeah, you're a human. I'm a human being interacting with other human beings and I can do it so much better. I don't get wound up, I don't get triggered, I don't react. Mm. Somebody might say something to me politically quite rude. Don't react. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Leave it at that. Don't fight. You don't have... Being relaxed. You, you, um, you know, just the person's wound up for a particular reason. That's okay. You see I don't for what it react. is. You can see for what it is. You're much more clear on where the behaviour's coming from, you know? Which I mean, the, the sportsman, you know, watching Dusty Martin, <laughs> occasionally gets triggered. And, and reacts, but most of the time you can see you know, how he plays the footy with that relaxed mind, reading the play. I mean, it's a joy to watch. You know, I love watching him in the last grand final. Mm. It's fantastic. Absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah. That's it. But you don't have to be at that level. You can be right down, you know, sweeping the street and, and still be able to pass that on to people you meet and pass by. And, I agree. Whatever life throws at you, Good or bad, if you can come back to that centre every day, every day is going to be yep. joyful, isn't it? And uh, yes. you know, yeah, you you have uh, you have that higher level of consciousness because that's our natural state of being. It's really meant to yep. be in joy, I enjoy yep. rather than e enjoy. Yep. You know, so uh, that that's that's available to all of us. You know, to be able to be grateful yep. for for what we have within us and then be able to utilise that as our power. Um, rather than using yep. uh, fear or, or guilt or shame as a weakness, um, uh, yeah. that, that that being our default state, yeah. Rob, uh, we could talk all all, uh, all all evening, so we we might have to uh, 
wanted to uh, say good night and uh, and let the listeners um, uh, settle off and uh, and and hopefully um, they've picked up a lot from this conversation. I really am grateful for you being here and uh, you know sharing your story with us. And it's so so great to hear someone at you know fifty nine. You know what you went through, but also how you've come out the other end at seventy four or seventy five and. You know, thriving, you know, really, really thriving. And, um, you know, I, I believe your story will help a lot of people, young and old out there. So really appreciate your time being here with me. And uh, yeah, Thanks, thank Aaron. You. No yeah. worries at all, mate. I'll, um, I'll, I'll talk to you a bit later. Okay. See you, mate. All best. Ta-da. Bye. There you go, guys. Robert Walter, a very... Uh, Interesting story, inspirational story. Um, there's lots of little light bulbs and, and nuggets of gold in there. So I really uh, encourage you to maybe sit back and listen to this again just to pick up on some of the things that Robert uh, had to say uh, and how he sort of uh, you know, looks at life now a little bit differently just by you know, getting back to his, uh, his, his, his self and getting back to his centre just by having a, a regular practice and a, um, uh, an awareness of the way his mind's working and uh, being able to avoid the detrimental things and doing the things that are more nourishing for him. So uh, thanks for, for, uh, for listening in, guys. You've made it all the way through. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate any feedback that you have. Uh, if you want to contact me, support at outbackmind.com.au or the website is www.outbackmind.com.au. Thanks very much. Cheers.